Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply chester will yell at me but then he'll end up editing it anyway Welcome back to 32 Fans, the third of our 32 team entries in year four of the 32 fans, 32 podcasts and 32 day series. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to do all 32 this year. It's fitting, actually, that I mention that because in year one, we talked to all 32 fans of all 32 teams. And last year, we did also, but in 2016, we only spoke to 31 out of 32 fans, and it didn't bother us for some reason. You'd think Chester would be, like, really OCD, and it would drive him insane. I would have been sure, but he totally did not bother us. So we did not speak to a fan of the Washington professional football team. Uh, but we're going to write that wrong today. So for the third time in four years, let's talk Redskins with us as always. As always, Stephen After, how many times have you done this, Stephen? This is going to be the third year. Like you said, I just missed the one year. But What, what a- happened in 2016? Where were you? Or where were we? We don't have to discuss that. You know, Redskins, I'm here three of the four years, and I think that's good enough for a Redskins fan. It's not easy out here, man. Okay, yeah, I don't, I, it's weird, just like if we did 26 out of 32, that would be normal, but it is still really weird that we are like, nah, we don't have to finish, nobody cares. And I'm sure not one person cared, but still. I love you guys. I forget what the reason was why I wasn't there, but uh, mm-hmm. um, I'm here now. I think... Um, I'll share with you one thing that really grinds my gears. I was at the uh, – I'm getting hyped for the season. Obviously, Redskins are playing the Patriots today. They're having a joint practice today. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling hopelessly optimistic as usual as a Redskins fan. And I live in Los Angeles. Uh, my family's from the D.C., Virginia area. So um, naturally, if I see you anywhere in Los Angeles wearing Redskins gear, I'm that guy that's going to talk to a complete stranger. We're going to talk about the Redskins. Sure. So I see a guy last night in the gym. I'm wearing my Redskins b-ball shorts, and he's got his Redskins t-shirt on, giant racist logo on display on the chest. I'm like, what's up, bro? Nice shirt. I'm pointing to my shorts. We start talking. Seems like a normal conversation. He's saying, oh, uh, um, people in the I'm from the Virginia area. People in D.C. love the Redskins. Are you excited about Alex Smith? All good things. I'm like, yes, I'm excited about Alex Smith, of course. And we're talking about stuff. And then he says, you know, what did you think about the draft? And I said, I thought the draft was great. I thought they got some good guys. And he said, yeah, I really like the draft too because I'm a diehard Giants fan also. And I'm really excited about Saquon Barkley. What in the actual fuck? Who are these people? I have a buddy that's a Warriors and a Lakers fan. I'm like, you disloyal. (laughs) 
don't just it's the same state. That's worse than the same division even. But that's insane. And like, how do you do that? I don't get these people. Like, I respect that. Like, I love the NFC East. Always competitive football. Seems like it's always close, crazy games with lots of big personalities. I get that. The NFC East is cool. But you can't be a diehard Giants fan and a diehard Redskins fan. I mean, I I like that you brought your own material also. I'm just sitting here. This is good. But it's a good story. I do think – so here's here's a tip for all the fans out there because I am very good at sussing out somebody's fandom within like eight seconds of meeting them. I could usually tell just based on their looks if they're going to be able to have have a like a conversation on my level. And I think the way to do it is like instead of starting with Alex Smith like you did, you have to be you have to be like I'm really uh, I'm really nervous about um, you know and and just like talk about the fourth round draft pick and then maybe make some bogus connection like yeah he went to the college I went to yeah, that's so I have like so a vested interest can, and if he doesn't know who he is it's like oh he's not a real fan he right, doesn't know our fourth round corner. He came at me with the Alex Smith stuff, which is was so surprising. He seems so knowledgeable about the team. And then I hit him with Doxson. I said, I'm really hoping Josh Doxson turns it on this year. I was going to mm-hmm. play that into a Monte Nicholson conversation. And that's when I lost him. He was just like, uh, Doxson, uh, how about uh, Saquon Barkley? And I'm just like, oh. oh, so he only knows the stars. Yeah, I, I bet he's a fantasy player. Yeah, this is true. Um, all right. So we, we every episode this season ends with a cliffhanger and, and we talk and then we talk about it the next episode. And I had said after episode two that we were going to rank the divisions to start the Seahawks podcast, but this is moved earlier, or that got moved later than this one. So let's hold that division ring podcast, and at least until there's an episode with Chester here, because I didn't mention it, I don't think, but Chester's not here today. Um, and so I did want to pitch, so we've been trying to figure out a fantasy league for our the Facebook group of our podcast listeners to do. Last year, Stephen, we did a... Uh, we had every everyone in the league drafted two teams, so there's 16 people in the league, okay? Yep. And you got the players from those two teams, and then that was th- th- that was your roster for the whole football season. So it was just <laughs> it was a low maintenance league. It was nobody's main league really, but like- it was just a fun thing. Very little. You don't have to worry about the waiver wire because everyone's just either yours or not yours. There's no trades. That's the, it was that's fun. The- for busy people, low maintenance is my thing for fantasy league. If you want me to be in a new league, it better be something that works around my schedule. So I, I, I'm down with the low maintenance. That sounds pretty cool. Okay. So now, but we had, but that only limits it to 16 people. And this podcast has literally dozens of listeners. So we had 48 people in the league. Um, so we had to have three different leagues. And then the three champions played each other, I think, in the final week of the season. So that, that worked. But I, I want to try something new. So let me pitch every, you know, different people have been emailing in different ideas. So let me pitch one of them to you right now, okay? Okay, go for it. It's called the Survivor uh, Fantasy League. Not a Survivor Pool where you pick, like, the Patriots week one and then you can't pick them the rest of the season to win a game. It's, um, you pick, uh, you, you have a team, it's a standard fantasy league, but then after, say, week two, week, week, let's say after week one, the worst team in week one gets voted out of the league permanently. They're gone. Whoever has the worst week, you're not really playing against each other. All 12 people are sort of playing cumulatively, and the worst person gets knocked out of the league. And then do it again and again and again until everyone's gone. So now I think week, probably week one is a pass, or you combine week one and week two, I think, is, is how you do it. It's kind of like a survivor rotisserie thing going on. Yeah, and now if you have the, the, if you have the um, best point total in a week, then you have immunity the following week. So I think that's a cool idea. 
Um, I also think there could be some sort of relegation thing where the people who've been booted, maybe the best of those people, get to like, work their way off like the Redemption Island back into the league yeah. at some point. What do you think about that? I've been trying to create something that's like a Champions League style fantasy where I've had a bunch of leagues where we had excess of 20 dudes. And uh-huh. that makes sense. Look at this guy with all these friends. Some sort of format. You know, nerds mm-hmm. have friends. You know, football, <laughs> football people are, aren't hard to find these days. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I like that idea. I'll tell you something that I've been playing the past couple of years that I absolutely love and recommend any NFL fan to do. It's a picks league. We pick against the spread. It's a head-to-head matchup every week. So you're playing against somebody else in the league. It's just whoever gets the most picks against the spread correct um, wins a win for that week. And you're kind of head-to-head each week. And then there's a playoffs and everything. So if you like fantasy, but if if you're also a guy that bets on sports and things like that, Picks League is a super fun way to do it without losing $10,000 in a weekend and having your whole family disown you. Mm -hmm. I've seen that. Um, Yeah. All right. The problem is a lot of people are in Picks Leagues. All right. Let's talk about the Redskins because we're we're a little off topic here. All right. Seven and nine, eight, seven, one, and nine and seven the last three years. I think by that sort of numerology i think you go nine six and one this year according to that like it's a very slow climb up the hill yeah. eventually you get to like 14 0 and two yeah uh returning the same guys gruden as coach matt cavanaugh and minuski as the coordinators obviously the big change is alex smith 94 million dollar man 55 million guaranteed um the, uh, and you needed to trade to get alex smith which i had forgotten probably the guy who was the best player on your team last year kendall fuller to get alex smith yeah, I only think. Pl- only player on the Redskins in the Pro Football Focus 101 top players. Now, I mean, Alex Smith was there too, so you kind of traded one guy for for another. Did were you a fan of the Alex Smith trade? I uh, I was a fan of the Alex Smith trade. I think we saw this Kirk Cousins thing coming to a head, and and it felt like a divorce was imminent. So mm-hmm. would I prefer that going back in time, they signed Kirk Cousins to a long-term extension when he first started playing well, of course, you know, and I think when you're dealing with the Redskins, you live with a front office making silly decisions constantly. So I think Kendall Fuller was a big price to pay, but at, as a Redskins fan, the one thing I'm happy about is that they got that move done as soon as the off season started you know, and I think Alex Smith is someone that you could make an argument apples to apples for with Kirk Cousins. You know, there's things that Kirk does a little bit better and there's things that Alex does better than Kirk. So I think from a leadership standpoint and seeing Alex in training camp and everything, I'm not dissatisfied with that. You brought up Kendall Fuller I, and you made the point that arguably Kendall's the best player on the roster last year. Statistically, he was. But um, mm. I'd like to think that the defense was somewhat of a, sec- a strength of the team. And at least on paper, when you have Josh Norman out there, you have a better DJ Swearinger out there. It seems like that allows maybe somebody like a Kendall Fuller to grade out as one of the best slot corners in the NFL. Um, and I'd like to think that they took somebody that was at his peak value and turned him into something else. And is that going to be a big piece of the defense? You know, I think, yeah, obviously, when you lose the top rated slot corner in the NFL, that's a big loss for a defense. But if there's one area on this football team that we maybe had not just a depth of veterans, but also a depth of young people, you have a Quentin Dunbar, you have a Fabian Morrow, Torian Gray is a guy that came from the college ranks at Virginia Tech. So they've kind of established that pipeline there and feel like they can develop players on that side. So I think when you read into this a little bit, it's, it's a move that makes sense for this team. They had to do something. 
You don't want to go a year with Colt McCoy as your starter. The free agent market wasn't there. You don't have a high enough draft pick to select a quarterback. So all that being said, a necessary move for the Redskins this offseason. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we, we, we've been doing a front office and coach confidence ranking. So let's start with Jay Gruden. On a scale of 1 to 10, give me your confidence ranking in your coach. I'll give you a 7. You know, Jay seems like every year, speaking of the number 7, it seems like he's either 9 and 7 or 7 and 9. You know, and I think the reason I'll even give him a number above a five is just because I believe in his offense. I always thought that the Bengals offense did the most with what they had personnel wise. You know, I don't think anybody would say Andy Dalton's a top quarterback in this league and their offense was always super productive and hasn't been quite as productive since he left. So I think as far as coaching scheme. Um, huge piece of why the Redskins have been successful and why Kirk Cousins has been successful and why, you know, I think this team is going to win ball games is because of Jay Gruden's offense, you know. But I think if this team is going to take the next step forward, you're going to need that defense to perform. And Jay's not a defensive guy. They've gotten the personnel in there to make it happen. But, you know, it's hard to put a coach into that eight or, you know, above ranking when, he hasn't done anything. He hasn't won anything in the playoffs. So he's done an average job. You know, 70% is just above average, and I think that's where Jay is right now. If they have a terrible season, I think he's for sure going to be on the hot seat, but definitely a team where I could see them making the playoffs this year. Uh-huh. And then, so, and as far as the front office is concerned, you have Bruce Allen, who's back, I think is the GM in name, right? Doug Williams is sort of the VP of player personnel. Gruden has some input, I think, on play on player decisions. Uh, how happy are you with whatever this weird structure and how and you know h- how it's sort of played out, especially after the big trade this offseason? Yeah, you know, I think um, it's easy to bang on the Redskins. You know, it's it's really easy for a blogger these days, an SB Nation guy, to go out there and just say, you know, that this team has lost it. You know, they don't know what they're doing, and that's that's easy to say, and usually true in most cases. You know, but I think that this team in their front office actually has some decent people making decisions and they look stupid as usual because they don't have somebody with the GM title. But, um, Doug Williams is, I believe his title right now is VP of player per, of, of personnel. He's someone that comes from coaching in the historically back college, you know, world and someone that really understands players. I think someone that's going to be integral and in working with somebody like Darius Geis. So from just like a personnel standpoint, I really love Doug Williams. And then also in this front office, they have, um aj smith's son i want to say so they also have another guy on the on the scouting level and smith that's really good that people see as being someone that is a future gm so um this team hasn't had a dearth of of coaching talent and front office talent those guys are there you know and you can see with what sean mcveigh's been able to do in los angeles he's a guy that was a tight ends coach on this redskins team under jay gruden and has gone out and done something really great so I think there's strong leadership in this organization and it's just at the very top of it where we're always making bad PR decisions and bad moves. But if you want to stack up front office talent scouting wise and player personnel wise, I would say Doug Williams and the younger Smith is a pretty good combination that I don't care who has the GM title. I'm just glad that there's people in the room that aren't a Vinny Serrato or Dan Snyder making football decisions. You know, the Mm -hmm. Scott McLuhan thing was worked out in some cases and it did in other things. I mean, the guy was still drinking when they gave him a job, so that was only going to be short-lived. But I think just the shift 
from Dan Snyder giving the reins to other people to make football decisions is so big and nobody will ever talk about it because he keeps defending the logo and all this stuff. So that narrative is always going to be out there. The Redskins don't know what the hell they're doing and that's never going to change. Is it so you're saying you're kind of happy with, with Snyder's ownership in that he's taken more of a hands-off role? It, it's hard to let the words come from my lips and I'm happy right. with Dan Snyder's ownership. <laughs> Anything Dan Snyder But I guess, is. yes, the fact that he's doing less <laughs> makes me happy and that there's actually p- capable people in the front office. Well, that's like a Trump thing, right? When people are like, well, I just want Trump to golf all day because then he's not yeah. making any decisions. So that's a Dan yeah, Snyder. I not like that. Thank you for comparing Snyder to Trump. That makes me feel so much. I think they get compared to each other a lot. All right, so we talked QB, so I want to talk about the skill position players on offense. Uh, Give me a quick prediction for Darius Geis. Darius Geis. Darius Geis' final rookie season numbers. What what are statistics going to look like? Yards, touchdowns, yards per carry. Yeah, I'll say that he'll be at about 4.2 yards per carry, probably gets you over 1,000 yards and probably – about four or five touchdowns. Um, I think the running so back. Maybe not the rookie of the year, but but a solid rookie uh, a solid rookie running back. I think, you know, Saquon Barkley is obviously going to be at the top of this list. Just production-wise, you can get him the ball out of the backfield, throwing him the ball in so many ways that yardage-wise, he's just going to be there, you know. I think Darius is a good mm-hmm. pass catcher, and I just I want to see him be healthy. You know what I mean? The carries – are going to be split a little early on. Rob Kelly's going to get some of this work. I know Jay really likes him as a player, so I don't think he goes away. Samaji P. Ryan is somebody that maybe can be traded to a team. You know, I think he- I don't think anybody. I, the truth is, I, I, the the more research I I, I did, and and when I was doing my Redskins yeah. research, I think P. Ryan's just going to be out of the league next year. I think he's just bad. I don't think anyone would trade for him. Yeah, I think he's because a- some of those other guys look good. You know, you, the line fell apart last year, right? Health wise. Yeah. Correct. Right, they were running in behind behind like uh, CFL guys basically by the end of the year, and some and and some of the running backs still look good, right? But P Ryan still didn't look good. Somehow. Yeah, P Ryan had about three, a little over three yards per carry. I think he's a big body. He's a he's a workout guy. So when you're trying to bring in some new talent like Darius guys, he helps you in training camp with the pass protection stuff and just being another strong dude that can be out there in this running backs room. But you're right, you know, you're gonna try to get a sixth for him. But if he's at where he's at now in this depth chart, once you know the preseason ends, I think he's someone that gets released or or, or gets put on practice squad if he makes it there. But yeah, that's the guys Thompson right and Kelly is a really solid you know one through right. three at running back. That's what's going to whatever order you put them. Guys from getting over that thousand yard mark and kind of getting to the place where I think people think that his talent with mm-hmm. his twelve hundred yards, ten touchdowns thing is it's going to take him a while to be that lead dog. So you may see week four him still kind of splitting carries and don't forget about chris thompson who also can carry the ball here and there yeah then if anything happens with injuries to the line or darius geis himself it's hard for this team to really be um productive and they haven't been super productive in the run game they have good offensive linemen but whether they get hurt or scheme wise they haven't really gotten you know that zone running thing that they had going with Shanahan going here. So uh, just per talent, it's a very good offensive line, though. If if the, all five guys can stay on the field, right? Absolutely. Outside of that left guard position, you know, yeah, left guard is is a wasteland. But listen, a lot of teams don't have two good right. guards. Right. Yeah, I think they feel really happy with Chase Rulier, the center, who was a late draft pick that they've kind of groomed into it. And then of course you have first round picks in Brandon Sheriff at right guard, and then you have. Uh, Morgan Moses, who actually I think was a second round pick, and then you have the Trent Williams, super athletic yeah. 
average left tackle out there. Yeah, it's a very good line. It's definitely an above-average line. They're really built through the lines. Like uh, your best player now is this quarterback, but you really you're sort of like a like a home like a bad version of the Eagles. Like you really built the team through the lines. Yeah, because McLuhan, I, that's the thing McLuhan wanted to do. He wanted guys that yeah. were tough, and he wanted to get back to that hogs line kind of thing. And it makes sense in this division. You know, you got to be able to move the pocket a little at that. Five years ago, we you know it was when Odell first came into the league, so. I think he realized that this they have no talent on the defensive line. They haven't. They haven't had a great end. You know, and Kerrigan and their outside linebacking core is really what's pushed the pocket and gotten that rush for them. So they yeah. needed more beef up there. And so I think they did good in this draft to get Payne and, and beef that up a little. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, we'll go to the defense in one second. Just just to finish up by talking about the receivers and Reed. First of all, give me an over-under uh, of 11 and a half games Jordan Reed plays this year. Are you going over? I'm going over. Uh, Jordan had some procedures in the offseason that cleaned up some of the stuff he was having with, I think it was toes or heels. And mm-hmm. so it seems like he, last year was just a, a washed season. You could just see yeah. that he wasn't right. And all yeah, indications. He wasn't there and he was. He was basically useless and they weren't throwing to him. And the, all indications are that he looks really fresh in, you know, training camp, which is something that we've heard before. But I think. Over 11 games, I, I could see him playing that. I would say probably the number is more around 12, 13 games for him for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, at least they have the spry Vernon Davis backing him up if he gets hurt. Yeah, Vernon looks great still. He's so he's an older dude, and he just looks really great. And I think Jay's also praised Jeremy Sprinkle a lot, who's a bigger guy. They've I, love the, I love I I will I think people are gonna be buying those sprinkle jerseys left and right if he ends up being the starter. <laughs> He's a blocking tight end, good dude. You know, I'm 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 wondering if I need to get my Geist jersey. I think we'll we'll hold off, but I'll tell you, Geist has just been so great. Like everything about him has been incredible. He stayed late on one of these training camp days to sign autographs for fans. He went to all of the concessions and all the people who sell jerseys and stuff and signed for them. Mm-hmm. He's just been someone that has been such a great ball of energy for this team. I, he's someone yeah. that you want to see win. You know what I mean? Like all the things that have been said about him and everything and to see him come in and be hungry and just give some life to this team. Um, I, I'll, I love him already for that. And I'm hoping that production on the field can can also mirror that. Do you have any optimism about the receiving core? You know, Doxon can't stay on the field. Crowder is is kind of like a third receiver who's sort of starting for you. I, Paul Richardson, is he going to play? Like, is there somebody else behind those guys who's pushing them? No, not really. Yeah, I mean, if, to answer your question, am I optimistic about the receivers? No, I would say. You know, they've had, since uh, Pierre Garçon and, and Deshaun Jackson left, which I think was a good move for them, not bringing those guys back, I think they've still kind of had a revolving door at this receiver position. They brought in Terrell Pryor last year. He was a dud. I think Crowder's been good in spots. I think that's the one place where I think he's someone that could have growth you know i think he's someone that could get 80 catches in you know 1200 yards this year just because alex smith really loves using that slot receiver and some of those underneath routes but yeah Mm -hmm. doxon i mean doxon's a guy that has all the things that we thought this team needed we needed a red zone presence we needed a taller receiver so this guy's got the vertical he's got the college production but it just keeps getting nicked up with these small injuries the first year was this achilles thing and then last year it's it's you know he comes in and shows flashes makes big catches Almost makes a huge catch on Monday night against the Raiders that would have won. Them, yeah. you know, or it wasn't the Raiders game, but it was another game where it always seems like he's on the cusp of breaking out. And then in this preseason, he uh, got landed on in the end zone with Josh Norman and sprained his shoulder and bruised his heel. So it's like the same thing with this dude. I, I think he has all the talent to be there, but just I don't know if he's ever going to be healthy. So I think he's someone that's a question mark. 
Paul Richardson, same thing. Is this guy going to be healthy? When he was on the field for the Seahawks, he's a dynamic, mm-hmm. game-changing player. He's got the top-end speed to take the you know the top off that defense. And he can be a super productive player that can get open a lot, but he hasn't shown the ability to stay healthy throughout his whole career. Kind of a smaller guy like Deshaun. So I'm hope if those guys stay healthy and can be on the field, you know, I think that that's going to be the X factor that determines how far this Redskins team can go. Yeah. All right. So flipping to the defense, I actually really like this defense. Uh, people don't realize, but this is, was kind of an elite pass rush last year. Yeah. Um. And the secondary was good. And even though they lost Fuller, like it's it's still good. Like there aren't a lot of holes on defense at all. But um, wh- what do you see as sort of improving from last year on defense? Obviously that front four, right? You you go out and you not only get a Deron Payne in the first round that has sounded so far like not a rookie body. He's come in and he's ready to play now. He turned his ankle a little. They're being cautious with him. They've had him in a walking boot. I doubt you'll see him tonight in this preseason game. But uh, he's someone that has looked the part so far. He's an NFL starter. He's ready to go. You're going to pair him with Jonathan Allen. So I think I'm excited to see what that's like. Um, Jonathan had the shoulder stuff that kind of let him slip in the draft. So both of you know, it's obviously not good when you got pain dinged up. Even if it sounds like it's small and they're not worried about it. I think that's the big concern with those guys is can they stay? Well, Allen would have been drafted basically at the very top if he was a fully healthy guy, right? Top five. So even though yeah. the injury that he had wasn't related to that, it's like the same thing with Dachshund. It's like these guys find a way to get hurt. All yeah, the time. No, staying healthy is definitely a skill. Listen, Eli Manning, I, we don't love him as a player, but like there's a reason certain guys never get hurt and then certain guys always get hurt. So I think in that sense, they did good to draft this Virginia Tech guy and Tim Settle. I think they're trying to build a locker room here. They've drafted more Alabama people than any other team in the league. They, I mentioned it earlier. They brought over. Is that their strategy? Just like draft the players from the best team in college? It's not a bad strategy. You can see that being a wacky Dan Snyder meeting. You just on a whiteboard. Alabama, they look good. Let's get guys from there. But no, it's worked. You know, like these guys have a family and a camaraderie about them. And if you're going to pick guys from one team i think alabama is a pretty damn good team to pick people from and they've also done a good job of getting guys from tech you you have by the way you have five alabama players and one from alabama a&m i don't know if it rubs off right it's a lot of players uh, and then i think the virginia tech guys is is they brought in greg stroman this year they brought in tim settle and they have torian gray who's been one of the best position coaches at that school under frank beamer and someone that is really a technician so they uh, really did well, I think, in getting someone that can teach technique. And um, so I think that was a big part of why the secondary has been successful and everything. So, yeah, I- I'm excited about, honestly, every position group, you know, on this on the defense. Zach mm-hmm. Brown is a Pro Bowl caliber player. He's so fast yeah. at the linebacker position. And Ryan Kerrigan and Preston Smith are really great. They have a lack of depth at that linebacker spot. So if any of those guys get dinged up, you're going to really see them going to um, some, you know, really underheralded players. But I really like the secondary still, too. You know, I really think Quentin Dunbar is emerging as someone with long arms that converted from the receiver position that can really start on that opposite corner side from Josh Norman. And uh, Fabian Morrow is the same thing. Super athletic, long arm dude that I want to see out there. And then you got Skandrick that can play a little bit in the slot that probably has some knowledge of this division that, you know, if he gives you some good reps, I'm all for that, too. And I think um, I mentioned him earlier in that conversation I was having with this dunce of a Redskins fan was Monte Nicholson, who showed a ton of range and just as, could be someone that finally 
solidifies the safety position for them where if you have Swearinger and Nicholson working together in tandem, roll back the film on, I think it's week five last year against the Raiders where they decimated a really hot Raiders team that was throwing the ball a lot on a lot of people. Uh, Monty Nicholson can cover a lot of ground and he's another guy that like Doxson, talent-wise, if you keep him on the field, he's going to perform. And it's just a health thing for those guys. So mm-hmm. one of these guys is probably going to get hurt. You know what I mean? And that's just the reality. I do like the Monte Nicholson test also, like just going up to guys in a bar who are wearing Redskins stuff. Right. Because he's not even a starter, right? No, he's going to start. I think he's... He's going to start over swearing, Swearinger or, no, or Everett? The, I think whichever, whatever they're calling those safety positions, Monte Nicholson is going to start. And that dude... Mm-hmm. Good man. I loved watching mm. him last year, and he's he's rangy, and he's someone that they took in the fourth or fifth round from Michigan State. That people were like, this guy has all the skills. He tested well at the combine, but the on the field performance wasn't there. So mm. I was skeptical, of course. But when you saw him on the field last year, and the way that I think Josh Norman kind of helped, and DJ Swearinger can help put people into place, mm-hmm. um, that's the one thing that you got to still love about Josh. The numbers aren't really there. I don't even know if he had a pick last year. But from a leadership standpoint and having an alpha dog out there, um, he changed the look and complexion of this defense. And so I think he's someone that with DJ Swearinger, they set the tone for this defense. And that's not for mm-hmm. nothing, man. You know, you need guys like that who are going to really gather that leadership for you on the defensive side of the ball, especially. All right. Are you ready for uh, a quick episode of America's Favorite Recurring Game Show? Absolutely. All right. So have you ever played the roster game before? I haven't. You have not played the roster game before. I don't think so. All right. I just basically, I, I, you pick a number from 0 to 100. I, it, it randomly assigns to a guy on the team. I think we and, got- and then you tell, me, you tell me everything you know about him. So pick a number between 0 and 100, Steve. Yeah, I think I got Fish Smithson last time. So let's see if I and, can- Oh, yeah. I, the great Fish Smithson. What happened to him? Where is he? I don't know. Don't put me on the Fish Smithson spot again. Listen, um, you're picking the number. I'm just right, randomly. I'm it, could be, it could be Alex Smith. It could be anybody. I'm gonna give you a crazy number. Just to, I know some of these, but numbers. it's not a jersey number. It, it it there's a whole system to it. It's not a jersey. Okay. Number. All right. How about a uh, fifty-five? Fifty-five. All right. Who is Tim Settle? Tim Settle. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that they took um, in the fourth or fifth round this year from Virginia okay. Tech, and he's. Basically, your backup to Deron Payne. He's a huge nose tackle, space eater type of dude. I think he came out early, so he was an underclassman. So people were wondering a little bit production-wise, could he have come back and, and stayed a little bit more, if I remember correctly. But mm-hmm. uh, someone that really fits the culture of what they got going on. So Virginia Tech guys, they've got a few of them. They've got the secondary coach. They took his uh, um, high school teammate and Greg Stroman, who also joined him at Virginia Tech, so mm-hmm. I think it's good for these types of dudes to have some camaraderie there. You know what I mean? So yeah. Stroman's a punt returner guy. He's a corner guy. Um, they need help at returner. So if you can put a guy like Tim Settle on there, let him develop for a year, you know, kind of like a tie-in Secchi where he doesn't have to play right away. But if you need him in a pinch, which you almost always do at the end of the year, he's a guy that now if Jonathan Allen or Deron Payne gets hurt, you still have some size up there on the line. You know, like Matt Iadonis has been a, a really solid guy that kind of started out a little slow, yeah. but picked up some strength. So now you got a rotation here. You know, I don't know if Ziggy Hood's going to make this team, but you brought in Stacy McGee, who played well in spots. So you don't have a star on 
the line. But, you know, Ryan Kerrigan can put his hand on the ground sometimes. So you just try to find guys that have space and that can eat up space, I mean, and allow Zach Brown to do what he does and allow the secondary to do what he does. So I think they finally have somewhat of a strategy on this defensive line. And Tim Settle is a big part of that, where in the past, you're, you're kind of throwing these last draft picks away and – Good football teams don't do that. So when I'm sitting here excited about somebody they're taking in the fifth and sixth round, I don't care who the GM is. I don't care who the owner is. That's not for nothing, you know. So as usual, hopefully optimistic on this Redskins team. They'll probably go seven and nine again. But, you know, it will, it'll be something we'll talk about for sure. Uh-huh. Um, by the way, Fish Smithson still on the team. I don't know why you're writing off Fish Smithson. He could be, you know, he could become a star still. I'll tell you right now, Fish Smithson has a great goatee. That's all I know. I've seen okay. the photos. Really solid goatee. No mustache. Right. Connected, but... No mustache, just a goatee for exactly. Mr. Smithson. His yeah. his brother Shaky Smithson also was in the league for a hot minute, like eight years. Ago. Is Shaky? That's really his well. Name. Listen, Fish. I think Fish's real first name was Anthony. All right, last segment. There's a new one, but I think we're going to do this with everyone going forward yeah, this season. Yeah. We have a listener from New Zealand. Okay. His name is Sam, and he is not an NFL fan, but he wants to become one. No better time than now to become an NFL fan. He wants – so he wants to pick a team. You know, you see this with, like, the English Premier League all the time. Like, hey, I want to get into soccer. Who should I root for? I would never do such a thing like that because I've been a Newcastle fan my whole life. But people do that. So I want to know why should he or shouldn't he become a Washington Redskins fan? Boy, I think you gotta recruit him. I got. I'm gonna go. Okay, I'm gonna recruit him. So, in New Zealand, they have a type of folks that are called Maoris. You know, they're warriors. They got the face tat, and they're all about that. So, I think that plays a lot into their all black rugby squad, right? You mm. want people that are just mashers, and that's what we got at the Redskins, man. We're bringing this hog stuff back. You want to talk about a Maori warrior, someone that could go out on the battlefield and do something like some of these guys in New Zealand. You look at Trent Williams, man, that's a that's a warrior right there. He's He looks nasty on the football field. So when you want to mm-hmm. talk about some team that's going to come out there and try to hit you in the mouth and play strong and play crazy, come out and roll with DJ Swearinger, and we're going to come out and hit people in the mouth this year, and you're not going to be disappointed. Okay. Yeah, DJ Swearinger alone. That should be enough. I would say the Redskins' names are probably leading the league because between Swearinger, Fish Smithson, <laughs> there's a lot of good names on this team. Some- Morgan Moses, you could walk around with a with a Moses jersey. That's fun. That's a sweet name. Yeah, I, I'll tell you about Swearinger. When they first signed him, I went and I looked at his Twitter, and I was like, "This guy's insane. What are what is going to become of this?" And he's probably one of my favorite players on the team. You know, they have a clip yeah. out there of what he said to the team before the Raiders game, which is probably my favorite game of the year, season last year. Um, I don't know why the Cardinals will let this dude go. I think they got some Buda Baker and some good people out there, but you don't get alpha dogs like this. And guys, uh, yeah, I just I love him with Josh Norman, and he's a big reason why I turned this team on on Sunday. So I love Swear. Yeah. Two two more two more names that I love: Adonis Alexander. Can't go wrong with the first name Adonis, especially if it's alliterative like that. <laughs> and then um, I, Brian Quick. You know he's been around forever, so we're used to that. But that is a fun name for a receiver. But my favorite one, Andre Pipkins, a defensive lineman. That's a great name. Andre Pipkins is a good name. Man, you found all the good names on the team, man. Yeah, there are a lot of good names. So the Redskins leading the na- – so if you're into names, Sam, from New Zealand, we right. have we have the right squad for you. Um, there's other things that maybe you shouldn't – you know, other teams can also sort of sell you on not being a Redskins fan. Let's, let's see what Sam has to say after this segment. Um, 
All right, so I think we're done here. So your prediction is about nine and seven. Is that what you said? Yeah, I think it, when I know you talked a little bit about ranking the divisions. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is a division that top to bottom, like your bottom team in the NFC East is probably going to be better than the bottom team in every other division. But I don't think you have a 12-win team in this league this year. Even the champions, you're saying? Even the champions. Because you, with the champions, you're going to have Carson Wentz coming back from the ACL. They lost a couple pieces on the defense. So, you know, there's always that Super Bowl hangover in the league. What's the last team that went back to the Super Bowl besides the, the Patriots? Seahawks? The Patriots went back to back. Right. So are the, are, the Eagles, are the Eagles the Patriots? We'll see. They might be. Um, but I... Um, we had the Redskins. I can't find them in Chester's alphabetical order because he doesn't use the R word. They're at the bottom in the, under W. We had the Redskins 22nd overall. So you think we're a little low on them? I think I think you're a little low on them. What would that put them in their division? How many teams above them? You're saying that they would come in third in their division if you got them that low? Yes. Yes, third in their division. But in the same ballpark as the Cowboys, but well below the Eagles. Yeah. You know, honestly, I think that's fair. I don't see any reason. I just think people view them as a low upside team because, like, we know what Alex Smith is already. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's totally fair. But also, Alex Smith's been underrated, like, eight seasons in a row now. So, you you know, or you never never know. This team could definitely make the playoffs. Could this team win the Super Bowl? I think absolutely not. Would I be shocked at all if they were 10-6 and and, and in the 4-5 playoff game? The NFC is really good, but it wouldn't blow my mind. Crazier things have happened. The the team is... the way that they go 10-6 and six is that the Giants have all these talented players and their offensive line still isn't that improved. And Eli's a pillar of salt and can't really move that much. And then in Philadelphia, you have Carson start a little bit slow and people start wondering if Nick Foles should be in there or not. And then in Dallas, you have Dak, who's kind of maybe starting to take steps back. All of those scenarios can go completely the other way. You know, Philly could go 14-2 and two again this year. But there's potential within the division where things can happen. You know what I mean? With this, yeah, I don't think any of these teams are just a lock talent wise. To no, you also have one of the harder schedules in the league. Like you said, if the Giants improve a little bit, there's no layup in the NFC East. The AFC South, you picked the wrong year to play them. Every other year would have been a good year, but I think that's going to be a really good division this year. Yeah. Uh, the NFC South has one abominable team, but the other three teams are really good. So the schedule is very tough. Yeah, it's crazy that this first weekend is a huge swing game for them. You know, last year they played the Patriots. I mean, not the Patriots. I'm sorry, the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one. And mm-hmm. that was such a tough loss for them to rebound from. Antonio Brown yeah. is twerking on you. In the so end. week one, they're hosting Arizona, right? Uh, they are going to Arizona, which is... Oh, they're going to Arizona. Okay. Big game for them, right? Because it's a team that they should probably beat. That they, I think. They yeah, should- I think on the schedule, if you're trying to get to nine or even ten... I know it's a road game, but I think that's a game you have to win. Now, we don't know anything. We don't know, you know, how good the Cardinals are going to be at all. Yeah. I I just, I I agree. If you want to have a special season, I think you have to pull that game out. Yeah. The Cardinals just lost their starting center, which sounds like was a big deal for them. And so, 100%. I know it's week one, but this is a big game. This is going to be arguably one of the biggest week one games for any NFL team because you have Alex Smith coming into the fold. I think I'm going to be really interested to see Darius guys actually running the football tonight against the Patriots because that's a big piece for them too. No doubt about it. Rob Kelly's good, but you're better if Darius guys is this lead back. So, you know, week one is going to And be- if you do win that game, you have you, you have that super insane buy in week four. Your, your buy is in September, which is annoying. But you have two home games. 
uh, after that. So Indianapolis, which is winnable, Green Bay, which is tough, but I guess in theory winnable. If you win, if you beat Arizona, you win that game, then there's a good chance you're at least going to the bye on a positive note with a winning record. You're also coming out in New Orleans, which is one of the toughest games you could have this year on Monday night. Yeah, a 15 day break. Also, you don't see that often. Right. So in that 15 sense, days it's rest to breathe. Your schedule doesn't do you any favors in the end of the year. If this year, if you're a Redskins fan, but in the beginning of the season, no, the schedule's brutal. The schedule's really hard. But it's yeah. almost like the Arizona Indy stretch to start the season is basically as easy as it gets, other than single games like the Tampa game. Yeah, I'd much, but it, the the first two weeks is where you pointed out you've got some opportunity there. You have some uncertainty at quarterback with the Cardinals. They just lost their center. And then I'd much rather play Andrew Luck week two than week 15. Agreed? Yes. I think I, – I didn't think he'd be there week one, but the fact that he's playing the preseason leads me to believe that I, obviously they're planning on him being there, barring a setback. I agree I'd rather play him week two than week 15, but I also think – I don't know. I'm not sure if he'll be good or be there even in week two, and the same thing for week 15. That's tricky. Yeah. Yeah, you should beat that team anyway, whether or not, well, however he's playing. But I've just have seen. No, yeah, oh no, listen, it's not like people are acting like uh, the Colts won four Super Bowls and then Luck got hurt. Like yeah. they were a bad team with him they beforehand, also. Yeah, I just would never um, doubt. Andrew Luck is one of the best decision makers I've ever seen at any level. You know what he did at Stanford still blows my mind to this day. You know he was just so accurate and so good with the decisions that I'll never doubt that that dude can return to being a really. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure people in Indy feel the same, but boy, it looks like that window's closing and they haven't put any talent around him in the backfield or on the roster. So it's sad sad to see teams like that who can't even make the playoffs. Or how about Aaron Rodgers being the best quarterback in the world and you win one Super Bowl with him? Are they going to win another Super Bowl with him? Yeah, I I think it's a good point. I mean, listen, I think Rodgers is the same age as Smith, right? Um, And people look at Smith like he's a thousand. Uh, if if they come out of the Rodgers era with one Super Bowl, yeah, your you, Packers fans will be kicking themselves for decades. I, it's a good point. Crazy. Yeah, I have a good friend of mine that's a Packers fan, and um, I keep tabs on them too. I saw Rodgers getting a little quippy with his, you know, they drafted a receiver in the fourth, fifth, and sixth round this year, I think, and he was getting real upset yeah. with how the practice and stuff was going. So he'll be fun to watch this year too. Yeah, I, I, this came up in one of the previous episodes also, but Rodgers is actually older. They're both 34, but Rodgers was born in 1983, like myself. Smith born in 84, so Rodgers, you, you know, nobody thinks of Rodgers as old. Maybe this year that sort of starts to change, and everyone thinks of Smith as old and basically has for six years, oddly. Yeah, um, your quarterback position is one where it's a little, you know, inverse in the league, where you're kind of like a UFC fighter. Your prime is more in your like mid thirties area. Yeah, it's and and no other position in the sport is still around. Like I was, my mind was blown that Vernon Davis didn't hang it up. Right, he's the same age as, as those guys, and you know he's he's like four years past where he should have retired already. And of course, running backs are retiring at twenty seven. Like shout out to Vernon, up. man. And you know who else I want to shout out? I want to shout out Vontae Davis. I just watched. Mm-hmm. I'm getting hyped for Hard Knocks. I think this Brown. Yeah, the, the be- first Hard Knocks was, was I thought was excellent. I thought the first episode was really good. Man, I don't even have. I'm not a paid HBO customer at the moment. Oh, so you're hyped for a show you haven't seen yet? I have to find the illegal streams, but I'm excited oh. for the Browns. I got. Some- I, I I think I could. I think I could probably point you in a direction off the off the. Okay, but uh, yeah, they got Jarvis Landry. They got you know Baker. What's not to like about that storyline? But um, oh, Miles Garrett too. I think is underrated. He's a game changer, but. Anyways, I was shouting out Vontae because I think one of the best moments ever in Hard Knocks is when they tell Vontae that he's traded. It's the Dolphins yeah. run, and they had Philbin running the team, who was like a creepy-looking dude, just to start yeah. with. And they showed that whole yeah. meeting 
Irvante has this crazy look on his face. Well, the Browns just traded um, Corey Coleman. Was that just traded Corey Coleman? So that's going to be. I think it happened like as they were putting the episode to bed because they even had a clip of it in like next week, which they've never really done before. Usually they just throw that up right away. (laughs) That's Um, great. All right, that's been Hard Knocks Talk, Stephen. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Best of luck or worst of luck to to the Redskins this year, and uh, maybe we'll speak to you playoff time. Maybe not. We'll We'll see what happens with the Redskins. See. Thank you, man. All right, have a good one. You too. Bye. Wait, Stephen. Yes, sir. We didn't do a we didn't do a, a cliffhanger for next episode. I forgot because Chester's not here. All right, uh, next week. See, it's not as exciting anymore. Um, next week uh, or next episode, uh, I'm going. Someone pitched me. Uh, it's just another pool. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, someone put pitched me uh, a really interesting uh, gambling pool idea. That's not a fantasy league, and we could I could start the Seahawks podcast by discussing that. Uh, what a tease. No, people are not going to be able to sleep tonight now knowing that I'm going to talk about a league, a fantasy league that we're probably never going to do. Teaser. All right. Goodbye again. Thank you, everybody. All right, Keith. There was a resolution pending on the United Nations floor. Our only message to the question was a peacekeeping for sport. Hopefully, did what we saw to the day. No one will walk out of that building on the 8th of May. I got a message from my sister She just had a kid I had a ticket to Copenhagen To see how she did My head could stop on a Canadian He called me a skid Though the charts for Roman International's right here Someone is listening on my phone Will I show up on the grid? Me, I'm just a loner The world full of kids Egos and ears A year before when we were getting it Bottled and caught On television, Congress crying
Sean White, how do you feel about snowboarding immortality? It is possible. A Broadway musical. People sing and dance about mundane things. This is actually too much of a hassle with you. Yes, Captain Chesley Sully Sullenberger, please. Oh, you sound different on the phone. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.